Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Dan, host of Leave the Pin In Podcast, and we've got a very special guest tonight. And no, it's not my normal co-host, Scott. He's off trying to melt the snow off of his backyard in order to chip balls. But I have, from Belgium, via UNC, a player on the LPGA Symmetra Tour, Miss Leslie Klutz. Leslie, what's the good word? Uh, pretty good. I'm in Florida right now, so it's uh, enjoying the sun sunshine over here, uh, which is pretty nice compared to the North Carolina rainy weather I had this off season. So um, yeah, excited to get the semester season on the way. Is North Carolina your home base, or do you call Florida home base while in the U.S.? Yeah, I live in Raleigh, North Carolina. So after I graduated from uh, college in 2017, I decided to move to Raleigh, kind of close by, but out of the campus atmosphere. Uh, so I'm, I'm still close, like it's 30 minutes from Chapel Hill. Um, yeah, so that's, I, I'm based out of there. Yeah. Very cool. And you still go back for games and stuff on campus? Yeah, I try to, yeah. I've been, recently I've been to the women's basketball game. It was UNC Duke. Uh, so that was really fun. Uh, but I like, I like to stay in touch with like campus activities, especially like the sporting events. Um, every Monday, I still go back to the college course to practice over there. Um, so I keep in touch with the with the, the golf teams as well. Uh, so yeah, definitely a Tar Heel, and I love being around it, and it's great. Very cool. Um, the coach now for the team was that your coach as well? Yeah, Dan Mann. Um, yeah, she she coached there maybe three years before I started uh, my career there. So yeah, she she has been my coach. All, all four years through, and she's still the coach here now. Very cool. And you still have a, a relationship with her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I sometimes go for dinner. Um, she'll text me, um, like, after rounds sometimes. So, yeah, I can call her up pretty much any time, and I'll, I'll know she, she'll pick up. <laughs> <laughs> and are there any other girls that were on the team during your tenure that are also – playing on the Symmetra Tour or the LPGA Tour that have turned pro? Yes, we actually have quite a few on Symmetra right now. We got um, Catherine Perry. So she was my senior when I started out as a freshman. Um, and she still lives in North Carolina as well in the area. Uh, so you got Catherine Perry, you got Maya Schechter, who I was teammates for two years with. She also plays on Symmetra. Uh, usually have Catherine O'Donnell, but I don't think she'll play much Symmetra this year. And Allie White. Uh, came back to Symmetra as well. Um, so, yeah, we've, we've got a bunch of Tar Heels out here. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> That's very cool. And you mentioned Maya, who we'll get into a little bit later, who runs the BirdieCast podcast with you. Yes. yes. Very cool. Um, so can you talk a little bit in the beginning for our listeners on kind of how you got your start in golf uh, coming from Belgium and then maybe talk a little bit about the transition for coming over to the States? Yeah, so I got into golf because of my dad. He kind of like a classic family golf story, right? 
Um, so he played when he was younger in his, in his 20s and then met my mom. They got married. So my mother is from China. So that's first of all. They met in China. Okay, decided she was going to come over to Belgium, move here, um, get married. And then a year later, I was already born. So everything went pretty quick. They started a business together, so it was just chaotic, and um, a lot of time you had to spend there. So I actually grew up pretty much with my grandparents, who lived across the street from us. So my dad kind of stopped playing golf at that point, uh, but then when I turned 10, uh, he decided to make me a member at the club he was a member at before, picked his membership again, and my mom started playing as well. So then it would become a family activity in the weekends, uh, so we would like, go play together. But that didn't last very long because he was always trying to, you know, make me a better golfer and, you know, want to help me. But then I got to a point where I was like, dude, I'm hitting better shots than you. So, like, <laughs> what are you talking to me? <laughs> um, so, yeah, then, then we didn't really play as much together anymore. Uh, but we, we would always play in, like, uh, club tournaments on the weekend, which was really fun. Um, and they, they still play, both of them still play today. My mom, my mom actually plays more. Uh, than my dad. She really likes the social aspect of, like, you know, playing with with the ladies and stuff like that. Um, so that's nice. Uh, so, yeah, I played growing up at the local local golf club. Um, and then I kind of rolled into playing more national junior events because I was doing pretty well as a junior at my club, and another parent said, like, oh, like, she should compete in those national junior events. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. So started doing that. Um, I wasn't very good at first, but then once I turned 15, then I started playing much better. That was kind of like a little breakthrough. I also started working with uh, another coach more uh, consistently, and that has really helped a lot and really improved my game. So then I rolled into the Belgian national team. Got to play uh, for them a lot, uh, international events, mostly around Europe. Um, and, I, and, and I did pretty well there. Uh, like when I was 17, 18, kind of like junior, senior year high school. And that's how I got recruited to coming to the States uh, to play college golf because, like, I had exposure from playing those international events for the national team. Uh, so that's how I got recruited. Um, yeah, and I had kind of like a short list of schools that were interested and in, I was interested in um, taking a look at. Uh, and I ended up at UNC Chapel Hill. So, yeah, it was awesome. I had, like, two criteria that I wanted. I wanted, one, obviously a good golf team, like the best one that I could get into. And, two, I knew I was going to study business, so I wanted a really good business school as well. And UNC Chapel Hill at that time, uh, when I got recruited in 2013, was both top ten golf team and business school, undergraduate business school. So that was, like, perfect fit. Um, I came for a visit and – yeah, I was walking around. I was like, yeah, this is where I want to be. So, um, yeah, I'm, re I'm really happy I went there. And, um, yeah, obviously I still live around it. So, <laughs> great. Yeah. Yeah, so the area must have made a pretty good impression on you. Yes, yes. I, yeah, I I really loved it. And, well, the key, the key thing in recruiting uh, was that, so Coach Mann, Jen, she came to watch me at the British Girls, and I ended up finishing um, second in the stroke play phase. So it was a stroke play and then a match play phase, and she came to watch for the stroke play phase, uh, and I finished second there. So, um, yeah, that was a pretty 
pretty easy deal. I kind of peaked at the right moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Showed up when the time was right. Yes. Uh, a a question just came in on Twitter, and they asked, and it, it's kind of very apropos. You talked about the business degree and how good UNC is with academics as well as athletics. They asked, when you played Duke, did you have to help the Duke golfers add their scores up? Add their what? Add their scores up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> No, well, we didn't really play that much with Duke. We played a lot of tournaments with them, but not necessarily like in the same group. I gotcha. Um, yeah, I'm assuming. Yeah, but actually, kind of funny. The Duke team typically, if you look at the golf team, I don't know about the men's team, but the women's team, and like over the four years, we've discussed this a lot, kind of comparing comparing the two teams and like the dynamics, and so like I would say my experience at UNC was very like family like. Like, all my teammates, they were, like, sisters. You know, we'd go out to eat. Uh, we'd kind of help each other in homework. You know, like, everybody wants the best for all your teammates. But then you go over to the Duke side, and they might have won the tournament as a team, but they don't look that happy <laughs> because someone else won the individual title. Like, they, were, they, they cared more about their individual performance. And I don't know. I realized that my junior year, really, and I kind of got sad for them. <laughs> yeah, I think I would um, definitely fall into the camp of wanting a more familial atmosphere as, as well, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but as a coach, so you have pros and cons, obviously. But as a coach, if you recruit really good individual junior players and you, like, um, thrive on that competitive environment, you do get a really good golf team based on, like, really good individual players. And golf eventually is is an individual sport. Even though college tries to make it a team sport, when it comes when it really comes down to, you need like those individual scores. You know? Right. Yeah. So there there are pros and cons, but I'm happy I was more in a family style team. Um, yeah, I would have picked it again for sure. Now, had you ever been over to the States before you went to UNC, or was that your first experience in the U.S.? I played two tournaments in Florida before I came over for college. Um, so I, have, I hadn't really been much anywhere else, and Florida is kind of, you know, a little different. than <laughs> Like, you can't say Florida is the United States and as a whole, you know? Yes, like, I, so I understand variety. that. <laughs> Um, and I just play golf. Like I, I didn't see anything else, you know? Gotcha. Um, yeah. So coming to college was definitely, uh, very new. Yeah. I'll put it that way. And I'm assuming in college that you girls traveled quite a bit during the, the yeah, we, golf season. We played tournaments all over. Um, the furthest we've gone was Hawaii my senior year. We, we kind of stayed on the East Coast. We played a lot in the Carolinas, Georgia, um, Louisiana. Uh, we went up to Notre Dame one time. Yeah, so kind of all over. But the thing with college golf is you only, you're only there for really four days, like three days for competing and then one practice round day. Uh, so it's very condensed, and it's basically airport, golf course, hotel, and maybe you will squeeze in like to pass by something. Uh, which actually coach did a really good job uh, to making sure 
we get to see something. Yeah, so that was nice. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so how does that work then with academics? And and I ask that because I I wrestled Division One when I was in college, but usually it was just an overnight. You know, we 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 leave for a match, um, wrestle, stay overnight, and then come back the next day. So. We never really got any leeway with our professors. Now, granted, this was 20 years ago, um, and I know things have changed with the advent of the Internet and a lot of classes going online. But how do you run that with professors being away almost the entire week sometimes? So I think as a student, you got to be really proactive about it. Like, it's really on you. Like, if I hear any other – if I heard any other student-athletes um, kind of complain about a professor – First thing I asked was, like, well, did you give them your schedule? Like, did you give them a heads up? Did you ask what what do you need to do when you're gone? Or, like, move tests or something like that. Or, like, how to submit your homework, whether you submit it early or you send an email. Um, so I, I just think that's a complete responsibility on the, on the student themselves. Um, so I didn't really have that many problems with it. Sometimes it was really tough. I mean... You gotta like stay up late and do all the work before you leave, which is not that great for your performance. You know, you're like, you know, if you have four hours of sleep before you go on a plane to go play somewhere, that's not ideal. Yeah. But that's what you gotta do. Um, because you are a student. Like, it's called student athlete for a reason and not athlete student. Um, so I, I really, I really believe in that. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Like, I loved, I loved what I was taking, like, as classes. I loved all my classes. Uh, I loved my major. I also minored in Chinese, and I thought it was really really interesting and um, always kept me engaged. Um, yeah, the most, the most tough part was in business school with group projects because then you get paired up with other students, and they not necessarily will understand your situation, like why you're gone for four days and we've got a project due the, the next day and you're not there. Uh, so sometimes that was really tough. Um, but I got through it. <laughs> but it is tough. It's really nice, too. Like some students do get it and, and we'll make it work. Um, yeah. But I think eventually it's always the responsibilities on you to get your schoolwork done. Right. Yeah, I think that's a great point, too, giving the... Uh, schedule to the professors, you know, and that's so proactive. And I think that's a great lesson in life anyway, you know, to become proactive and kind of become self-sufficient, which I'm sure has served you real well as you transitioned over to playing on the Symmetra Tour. Um, So for the people out there that don't really know the Symmetra Tour, I'm not incorrect in stating that it's basically the web.com tour for the PGA, correct? Yes, that's right. Do they have those battlefield promotions as well and how does the transition from the Symmetra tour to the LPGA tour work? So uh, you get on Symmetra tour to school in the beginning of the year just like the guys. Uh, we've got three phases of qualifying. Um, yes, and then you play on Symmetra tour and then the top 10 on the money list at the end of the year gets promoted to PGA. So then if you pop in next year, you get a full LPGA status uh, so you can play all the tournaments. Now, you can also get on the LPGA to Q school as well. That's where currently today is still different with the guys. 
um, where we we still have spots pretty physical that you can get on LPGA. Like I think with the guys, you can only get rep status um, through Q school. Yeah, yeah, and and then yeah. they do the whole reshuffle with the guys, and and depending on what number they get, you know is dependent upon when their reshuffle occurs and how many tournaments they're going to get. So you said top 10 on Symmetra goes to the LPGA. So if you finish and has full status, right? Yeah. And yeah. then, so... Yeah, so 100 players on the LPGA keep their card. So that's 100 players. And then the top 10 on Symmetra, that's 110 players. Gotcha. And then this year there were 45 cards on Q, in Q Series, which is the final stage of Q School. Uh, that also get LPGA status, um, but yeah, not not all of them, not all those forty five are full cards. Even though they like advertised it or like proclaimed they were all full cards, but if you look at it now, it's really not. Um, so that was an interesting finding that girls have now. Like, wait, but I finished like fortieth in QCs, but I don't get the play. Like, what is this? <laughs> So if, if you um, have that conditional status, right, like let, let's say you have one of those 45, but it's not one of those top 10 spots and you have that conditional status, how many tournaments are you getting in to on the LPGA Tour? I'm, not, I'm actually not quite sure because it's all new this year. Like it's the first, first year they, um, they made up two series and gave 45 full cards, as they said it. Before it was always, I think it was 25 full cards, and then, like, 20 more conditional cards, um, which is actually more how it seems like now. Um, so I, would, I, I, I actually don't know the numbers um, of how many exact tournaments they'll be able to get to play, which is actually nice on the web.com. Like, I, I looked at the scores and, like, what the status is mean, and it gives you, like, guarantee entries. Uh, if I read it right, which is really nice because you can count on it and then you know, like, okay, I got to perform these tournaments. If you have conditional status in LPGA, uh, which a lot of girls do now, if they don't get into an LPGA event, they come out to Symmetra and play Symmetra because they don't know whether they'll be able to play the rest of the season on LPGA or if they have to play the rest of the season on Symmetra. (laughs) It's in a really tough position if you're if you have like conditional status in LPG because you feel like you gotta play all the Monday qualifiers to get into the tournament because once you get in and then you make the cut then you get reshuffled in front of the other girls and then you will be able to play the rest of the season. But if that doesn't happen, then you're stuck and you're behind on Symmetra Tour, right, for next year. Because you want to get that top ten. So yeah, it's really tough for the girls that are in that position. It's a lot of scheduling and like last minute travel. It's really crazy. <laughs> yeah, the the scheduling yeah. aspect to that, I think, would you know drive anyone with like any iota of OCD absolutely crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's there's really no way. It's like you always have to have two plans at all times, like in case this happens or in case that happens. Right, yeah. right. Um, so speaking of the Symmetra Tour, the the year started already, correct? Yeah, we just played our first tournament last week. And that was the Sky Golf? or s- Yes. Right? Yeah, okay. that was in Port Charlotte. Gotcha, Florida. gotcha. Um, can you take us a little bit through the bag, like what, what you're playing with club-wise in the bag? Yeah, I play mainly with Cali clubs. I just got new clubs this 
uh, this off season. Uh, but they're pretty much the same. Uh, I played with the Apex Irons, and then I got the Epic Flash Driver, and uh, a three wood and a five wood, and then I got the Epic Hybrids. And then my wedges actually are uh, JP wedges. So JP was the guy, the, the wedge guy for Titleist, but now his contract is up and he's trying to like, well, he's setting up his own line. Um, yeah, he's still like trying to figure out, I think. But they're really cool. Check them out. JP Wedges. Uh, he has a bunch of bunch of pictures on Instagram. Um, and he like customized it for me. Like one club is uh, kind of like Tar themed, themed, so UFC themed, and then the other club is kind of Belgium themed. So that's really cool. I like looking at those wedges. And then I've got the uh, Odyssey putter, the two ball with the line. Yeah, classic. Love my putter. The the JP wedges that you're talking about were those the ones that were on your Instagram page? Yeah. Yeah. Those are those are pretty sick looking. Yeah. Yeah, I like them. Now is that uh, is that through a Callaway sponsorship or is Callaway just a brand that you've been comfortable with over the course of your career? Um, in Belgium, Callaway was the main uh, manufacturer that like supported junior players. In Belgium, like, well, there's there's one rep in Belgium, and that's Callaway. I don't know any other rep that's in Belgium from any other manufacturers. So for some reason, they kind of capitalized Belgian golfers really well. Like, all the top players, especially on the men's side, like Thomas Pierce, Nicholas Colsart, and now Thomas Petrie, they all play Callaway um, for that reason, because they grew up with it. Um, now... Like, I'm sure all those guys have contracts with them, but that's also very different on the women's side. Like, the other day, I was talking with a few players, and they got new clubs, and they paid for them. And they, they, they both play on Symmetra Tour for a couple of years, and they paid for clubs. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Um, so I contacted the Callaway rep here on the LPJ, and he helped me out, uh, which is really nice. But yeah, I mean, there there are no contracts or anything like that. It's kind of it's kind of like you need to really stay on top of those reps and kind of like be on their good list so they'll help you out. Um, yeah, but that's that's very different comparing men's and women's. Um, like, yeah. the guys, some college players just get clubs. Like, they just got a. Than pay for a new club. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just kind of like refuse that. Um, no, yeah, I might sound really elitist. I don't know. I actually don't know, but I feel like to do my job and I'm like representing this band, right? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, it, I mean, heck, if if people gave me clubs, I would gladly take them. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of, of, you know, like having to pay for clothes, but, but not having to, when's the last time you had to pay for golf? For golf? Um, I had to pay for range balls the other day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That kind of depends. 
Well, like sometimes, like if I go down to, let's say, like in the Pinehurst area, if I want to go play with a friend. Right. Uh, I like, well, because they'll ask, like, oh, what's your handicap? Or I don't know, it's just like, which club are you from or whatever. And then I'll, I'll mention, I'll bring off to Metro Tour and then they'll ask. Uh, for my credential, and I give it to them, and then either just let me play, uh, which is really nice, or they'll they'll give me like a discounted rate, which is like affordable as well. Uh, so it does it does give you a really good advantage of being able to play out of different courses. Um, yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. Um, could you give us? Because one of the things that I think is so fascinating, and I've been around golf my, I mean, a good portion of my life, and, um, you know, I've had some friends that have played actually on the LPGA Tour, um, and I've been to just a ton of events, and one of the things that always strikes me is how well the pros prepare, and just how calm they look, and I love going to the tournaments because outside the ropes can seem chaotic. But inside the rope seems like so solemn and so calm and everyone just kind of goes through their routine and, you know, they hit the shot and they go back to kind of BSing with each other. So can you give us kind of a rundown like of an average tournament week for you and then also what your pre-tournament routine would be like morning of the tournament? Sure. So at times on Symmetra, I usually three days with Uh, that way, and you get all your stuff done. So that's nice. 
Um, so yeah, let's see. It's a four-day tournament. So my example last week was a four-day tournament. So I played still on Monday. I played 18 holes. Tuesday I played nine holes. Wednesday I played nine holes. And you get started with the tournament. But then Pro-Am, for example, this week is a three-day tournament. But then there's a Pro-Am on Wednesday and a Pro-Am on Thursday. And Wednesday, uh, the Pro-Am takes all day. So there's a there's two shotguns, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. So Wednesday, if you're not playing on a plan, you can't play that day. So this week, I play a little different. So today, I play nine holes. Today is Monday, so I play nine holes. And then tomorrow, I'll probably play 18 because I can't play on Wednesday. Um, and then Thursday, you can only play in the afternoon, which will probably be really busy because a lot of girls who want to play Thursday afternoon because they haven't played. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's a lot of weighing it, really. <laughs> and then uh, kind of routine before I play competitive, like before the first round. Um, let's see, I got I got a 9 o'clock tea time. I'll wake up. Um, I try to wake up three hours before my tea time. Um, I don't know. I've read a bunch of articles that say three hours is a good, good time to get your body awake, so I've been just trying to do that. Um, I like sticking. I like to eat a lot for breakfast. Every day for breakfast. Um, yeah, and then I'll head to the course. But my warm-up routine, um, get going. Maybe I read a little bit in the morning. Have some downtime. I like to do that. Um, yeah. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. Now, do you have now? I'm. I think I'm correct in stating this, but obviously, jump in. Tell me if I'm wrong. Um, on the Symmetra Tour, you can carry your own bags, right? They, they don't have, yep. like, the L- – okay, so there's not, like, that LPGA Tour rule where you must have a caddy. No, we don't need to have caddies. Um, so I would say about 50% carry their own bag, or you can have a push cart. Uh, that's fine, too. A lot of girls uh, have push cart, and then maybe the other half would have a caddy. But then I would only say maybe – Ten of those are like professional caddies, and the rest are volunteer caddies. Okay, just people so looping it around and, and holding their bags. That would want to come out of caddy, um, or sometimes like pro-am playing partners that girls I play with the day before uh, that would want to come caddy, or like close family members that want to caddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just local people that want to be part of it, um, and that's pretty helpful. Like I know girls that do that every week. Uh, if they can, so. And I, I remember the one episode of BirdieCast, you and Maya were, were talking about that, you know, with people that kind of show up and they're like, hey, you know, uh, I'll help out today. I'll caddy for somebody. Yes. <laughs> and, and so do you personally like having someone like that or would you rather kind of be on your own out there? So I kind of feel like having a volunteer, volunteer caddy is kind of a risk. Especially if they show up the day of, right? Like you have you haven't met them before. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I I typically don't do that. Like I feel like I'm fit enough to plug around with my own bag. The risk reward hasn't really pushed me over the edge to uh, go that way. Yes. <laughs> gotcha. I did I did one time have uh, a, a playing partner at the program that. That asked on the first hole, like, so who's caddying for you this week? And I'm like, I don't have caddying. He's like, I'll caddy for you. I'm like, ah, okay. And then his 
than his buddy he's ever playing with you and start laughing. But then after nine holes, he asked again, like, yeah, no, seriously, like, oh, daddy, please. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm playing really early. And he's like, oh, what's early? Like, 7.30. And he's like, oh, what time do I need to be here? And I'm like, well, by 6.45 is good. He's finally on the range. He's like, okay, I'll be there. <laughs> somebody more than once like have you ever had someone that you've liked and and they're like hey uh you know like you girls are in florida this whole month and i'm retired and i'm available no i did i did i did have one guy his name is gary he lives in houston and he's caddied for me before in an amateur event uh over in texas when i played for a national team he had actually came to twice so I actually called him up if he wanted to come carry for me a couple of times on Symmetra. Um, so, yeah, he came out um, and, uh, yeah, carry for me a couple of times, which was really nice. Very cool. Um, so he would be the closest to that category. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> now, you had mentioned before I, I caught you were saying, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much pretty fit, so I really don't need anyone carrying it for it. You know, I've seen some of your workout videos on Instagram uh, that's very near and dear to my heart too. Uh, strength and conditioning is what I do for a living. Um, could you talk a little bit about your workout routine and kind of how you gear it towards golf and maybe if there's any difference between off-season and in-season training for people? Oh, yeah. Um, so off-season, I like to work out pretty much five to six times a week, like almost every day with like one off day. Um, and I go to this gym called Perfect Success in North Carolina in the Triangle area, really, really close to the airport of Raleigh. Um, and uh, my trainer there, Chris Finn, he basically builds a program with his team. He has some in-house staff there, uh, some physical therapists and strength and conditioning coaches. Um, so they build a program for me, and we use this app called uh, Bridge, where you can plug it all in, and then I know what to do. There are, like, videos with it. It tells me how long I need to do it for or how many reps and sets and all that, and I can plug it in, put in the weight, what I did, uh, stuff like that, put comments, the videos. That's really smooth communication there. Um, yeah, so, like, programming-wise, I don't, I don't need to think about it. Like, I tried to do that before, all doing it, like, doing it by myself, but it's just, it's too much, and... I think, like, I'm I'm fairly smart, I would say, and it's, I thought it wasn't that hard, but then as I was working out, then I started to doubt how many sets or reps I should do if I'm doing them right. Uh, should I be doing this in the first place? <laughs> <laughs> so it's nice to have someone else tell you, okay, like, this is what you're doing. So that's, that's really nice, and I, I really trust them, and they're great. Um, yeah, and I love working out at that place and, and working with the, with, with the coaches. Um, yeah, so in season, in season, I like to work out three times a week. Or at least that's what my program says. So I'm just doing that. 
Yeah. <laughs> now, when you travel to all these tournaments, um, do the courses ever, or does the tour ever give you access to fitness facilities, or is that kind of on your own that that you have to find those places? Yeah, so Sewage Tour is actually really good about that. Every week every week we get a player memo, and it will say uh, the fitness facility for that week. So they're actually really good about it. I don't know how many years ago they started doing that, but I'm sure some players suggested it, and then they started to reach out to local um, gyms to ask if they would be available to host the players for that week. So that's really nice. So, for example, this week we're in Winterhaven and there's an Anytime Fitness really close by. Uh, so we can work out there for the week uh, for free uh, for that week. Just, you just kind of need to show your tour badge and like sign some papers and, you know, make sure you get injured and it's not their fault, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, you can just go do your thing. Uh, but I've heard on, on the LPGA that they don't do that, which I which was really surprising. But on the LPGA tour, there's a, uh, there's a, what do you call that? Like yeah, a tour van that yeah. travels with them. Yeah. And that's where the physical therapists are. Yep. That's where like they have, they have the, the tables there and they have some weights and balls and bands and all that. So that's kind of their traveling gym. But it's very small. And yeah, I don't know why the LPGA doesn't do that weekly, but just like Symmetra. Um, so that was very surprising to hear that. Yeah, um, I've... Uh, yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's really nice on Symmetra that there's a week every gym, and it kind of varies. Like, sometimes it's a hotel gym, which is really small. Yep. But then other times the gym is great, where they even have, like, a rock climbing wall. So, yeah. Okay. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah, I've been. I've I've seen the inside of the LPGA fitness trailer, and and really, you're. Uh, I mean, you're more than 100 percent right. It literally looks like there's room for three to four players, and basically just enough equipment to warm up for the round. I definitely would not say that you could get a full workout in there, you know. Which I think is what yeah. they kind of gear it more towards. They just want the players to kind of warm up in there, and then they have their physio guys and and whatnot. Yeah, I think they, I think they thought to use it more for physical therapy. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, any nagging injuries or to get girls stretched out and and stuff like that. Right. Um, so on the Symmetra tour, how are the the crowds, and do you have any weird crowd interaction stories at all that you can tell? Um, <laughs> the crowd Symmetra tour, the last day will be the most crowded. Um, like if you're playing on a Sunday in the last two groups, you get a nice crowd and it's, it's really cool. Um, yeah, like that's really cool. That's like, that's what you're playing for. Um, on other days, it's kind of calm. Uh, maybe the first round, if you're playing in the morning or like around noon, where some people will come out, like local people, not necessarily golfers. They just like live really close by and just want to check it out. <laughs> They'll, like, walk across the fairway, like, no big deal, and you're standing on the tee, like, yo, we got to play there, like, move. <laughs> so, people have, um, so, there's been people that have walked, like, in front of your shots, basically? Yeah, because we, we don't have ropes all the way around. We have some ropes around the tee, some ropes around the green, but not everywhere. Okay. So, yeah, they just don't have enough staff to do that. Anymore. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And obviously those people um, don't understand golf etiquette at all, or safety, I guess. Right, right. So that happens once in a while. Um, but, I mean, it's okay. <laughs> uh, so that's, that's the weirdest kind of interaction, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah. But usually there is a pretty good crowd on Sunday. Like, it's, it's really cool to see. That's very cool. Um, now, obviously, you get to play a, a, a ton of different courses. Um, do you have one? And it doesn't have to be on the Symmetra Tour rotation, but do you have a course that, you know, you would say is is my favorite or maybe two or three that you're like, this course is phenomenal, people should go play it if they could? Yeah, so I get to touch today the uh, Old Chatham Golf Club in North Carolina, and that's definitely my favorite spot in North Carolina. Um Favorite courses, I always think of the quality of the courses, like the quality of the grass. Um, I just like that. I don't, I don't really care so much about names. So, like, Pebble Beach, it doesn't do anything to me. But I don't know. Like, if someone would invite me to go play there, I wouldn't skip out on something else if I had something else already planned. <laughs> um, you know, like, I, I, yeah, I, 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 I don't really care so much about that. It's very um, funny. I was going to say, it's very funny that you mentioned that because we had Jason Gore on the podcast, um, I guess, maybe two, three weeks ago. And he actually got married on the 18th green of Pebble Beach. So he was talking about how, <laughs> you know, it holds such a place in his heart and his wife's heart and, and it, how it means so much to his family. And he's a California guy. But then at the end he uh, said, but, you know, you got to realize this place is, like, ridiculously overpriced. He's like, it's not that good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I really like, yeah, so, like, sentimental courses, like, obviously my, my home club in Belgium, uh, it's called Tennyson Golf and Country Club. Um, it's one of my favorite courses to play. Like, it's like a fun track. Uh, not, like, not prestigious at all. I just like it. Uh, I just like playing there. But then, um, all-time saved would be two courses. There's one in Spain called Copa Grande, um, and that's really nice. Again, like, it's all about the quality for me. Like, the first time I got there, the fairways, they look untouched. It's like carpets, and you hit divots that are so smooth, and it's just so nice to, like, walk there and, yeah, hit golf balls, right? It's awesome. And then another course is in Texas uh, called Whitstone Pines. So that's actually where, where Gary, that I mentioned before, had carried me uh, twice for, for amateur tournaments uh, over there at the Spring Pines. So, um, yeah. So I kind of have four courses. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Um, so speaking of golf courses, one of the things I always like to ask people that are either pros or deeply involved in golf is – do you play on your downtime ever to have fun, like when you're not grinding or practicing? And can pros still have fun on the golf course? Yeah, so my off-season kind of goes in two phases. Um, so the first phase is, okay, I get back to practicing, doing a lot of drills, spending a lot of time on the range in the punting green and chipping green. Um, and then I'll, I'll play when I want to play. So I, I don't force myself to play. Um, and in the second phase, I kind of have a set amount of rounds I want to get in that week um, to, like, get ready for tournaments. So that first phase, it's kind of nice. Like, 
maybe I'll play nine holes. Like I'll play a lot of nine holes just because I feel like it. So that's that's really nice, and I do, I enjoy it a lot. Um, I'll sometimes go out and play games with a couple friends. Playing with friends, I don't really do a lot except you know with with old people like Maya and Catherine Perry, for example. Like I love playing with them. I'll go over to friendly and we do a match, and that's really fun. Like just just because it's a good game, like it's a good match, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't play so much with, um, like, friends that just want to go hit a ball. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't, uh, I'm not many friends invite me to do that as well either. I think they're, they're all little kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of tough, uh, you know, justifying to, like, other friends that might not know you. Like, hey, my friend's going to come along and play. Oh, is she any good? Well, yeah, she's a, a pro. A tour pro, you know, and and they're like thirty yeah. handicaps or whatnot. That's a little intimidating. Yeah, and like when I go play for fun, I'll never like. Yeah, I I, I don't ride the cart and get like a six pack of beer. Like I don't, I can't do that. Right. Like I, yeah, and I feel like a lot of uh, golfers play women. That's how they play golf. Um, but yeah, I, I don't fit. I don't fit that bucket. So that's kind of. Uh, that's a different category. Yeah. yeah, no, well, that's very cool. I, I work at a course on the weekends uh, sometimes, and uh, that type of golfer that you mentioned is very prevalent. And so after like five or six holes, I kind of wonder, is the golf even important to them, you know, when they're, when they're out right. there? Right. And right. I, I think the golf is like just a vehicle to get everybody together, but... It, it seems to me like if I was in that situation, it'd be easier just to have a barbecue with my friends and it'd be a lot cheaper, you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't, I don't understand that either. Um, when you play by yourself, do you, do you prefer walking or riding? Just out of curiosity. Um, well, it depends if it's cart pass only. Yeah. <laughs> if it's cart pass only... I'll probably walk. Well, if it's if it's just me playing, and it's kind of nice about old time golf club where where I practice at. Usually, um, it's a private club, and they don't have that many members, so usually I can just go out whenever, and I can squeeze in eighteen holes in three hours or less. Like it's awesome. Yeah, that's fantastic. So when I'm when I'm practicing there, I usually take a golf cart just because it's so fast and it's. It's great. Like, it's awesome. Like, I could play 36 holes in six hours if I would want to. Um, so it's very, like, time-efficient-wise. Um, but I, when I'm playing with, like, members or other players, I typically walk. Yeah. Gotcha. Like, I only take a cart for time-efficiency sake. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm in 100% agreement with you. Uh, I walk whenever I can unless courses mandate that you that you take one. And even then, I try to get out and walk as much as possible, let, let the other person drive. You know, I say, oh, I'll, I'll meet you up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I asked, I actually asked my wife, I said, hey, I said, do you have any questions uh, for Leslie? And she had a great one in, from a woman's perspective, which I thought was fantastic. Um, do you have any thoughts on, and I, you know, not pressure you to, to have it or, or trying to delve too deep, but do you have any thoughts on when you might have children or on having children? And does that kind of uh, put you in a specific time frame in which to make the LPGA tour? Do you know what I'm kind of getting at there? Like, does that, 
you know, you, something on every female's outfit mind that would that is thinking of like starting a family at some point, right? You know, like that's just normal, yeah. Um, and I don't really have a timeline, but. It's not going to be before I turn 30. So I'm 24 right now. So I've, I've got a few more years. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, because that's something that, um, that like a, a male professional never has to think about whatsoever. But if you're right, a female right. professional athlete, it, it's, it's a... It's a they don't need to take maternity leave. Right. Uh, exactly. Yeah. And that's a big yeah. step to take, you know, and, and there ha- my wife said, she goes, are there any pro golfers that have come back from having kids. And so the only one that I could think of who did it wonderfully was Julie Inkster. There are a few, actually. Uh, there are more and more. I, like, I forgot the number, but I would say, like, more than maybe six or seven uh, LPJ players, like, have had kids so far and are still playing. Okay, very cool. Uh, and I know, it's like, pretty cool to see. the LPGA this year just... Um, I'm going to misquote it and I'm going to paraphrase and I know it's going to be wrong and someone's going to call me out on it. But they implemented (laughs) some sort of maternity leave because I remember Brittany Lincecum talking about it, um, you know, and saying how great it was that they're actually doing that now. Um, You know, I don't know if it preserves their status. I don't know if they have to have a certain type of status in order for it to kick in. But you yeah, know, it's, so it's something that Mike Wan did. It's the same as if you would take uh, if you would take um, a medical, like if you get injured okay. for that year. Gotcha. I believe it's like that. It's it's pretty much the same as a medical, except with um, a medical in injuries. I think it's so like this that it like kind of has to happen before a certain amount of tournaments. Like if it's too late in the season, you can't. You can't get that anymore. But maybe it has changed it as well. But anyhow, with the uh, maternity leave, that can be any time of the year. And then you keep your status until you come back. Like, well, whatever that period of time is over. Um, then you can get back on tour right when, where you left off. That's very cool. I think that's, a, that's just an awesome step that yeah. they've taken. And, and they, they also started doing that on Symmetra Tour. So there's one girl, uh, Rachel... Rachel Lana, thank you so much. I know her first name is Rachel. I think. <laughs> so she had a baby last year, and now she's playing on the Tour. So I, I think that's her first Symmetra Tour mom. <laughs> yeah. It's cool. Like, I love seeing that. Like, like all those players that have had kids and are still playing, like, those are my favorites. Just because of that. Just because they've accomplished that and they're still playing. Like, I love seeing that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it shows, yeah. it shows how dedicated they are and how determined they are. I mean, did you come back from, from anything? I mean, because that's that's major surgery, you know? And yeah, yeah. to be able to get the game back like that is, that, I mean, that's that's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, they also have a, a daycare on LPGA. Very cool. Do they do that, like, yeah. in... I don't want it to sound bad, but they do it in like a trailer. I realize it would be like a, it, you know, no it'd be idea. a super nice trailer, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I, I think, um, someone told me in the early days when they just started the daycare that Snuckers, uh, sponsored it. <laughs> huh. I just thought that was really funny. 
There's there's sponsors for everything. Hey, uh, so this week on the podcast, I, I kind of went back and forth with a guy on Twitter about backstopping and some of the new rules. Um, I talked about how the PGA pros have been beyond vocal, you know, on some of the rules they want changed, even though they had months to prepare for it. My comeback was you don't see this problem on the LPGA Tour. You don't see it on the web.com. You don't hear about it on the Symmetra, Latino America, Canadian Tour. Have you had, I mean, I know it's one tournament so far this year, but have you seen or heard any problems or complaints from the girls out on tour with all these new rules? Um, not really. I've heard, uh, I heard last week that a few players get a warning about, you know, having their caddy stand behind them, um, right when they, when they're about to address the ball, like, then they just stand, but only warnings, like, no, no penalties or anything like that. Um, yeah, so far, so far, so good. So, very, very good. Yeah. Hopefully it keeps up like that. Um, so yeah. let's transition real quick and talk about your podcast, which is how I literally first came to know about you. And that's Birdie Cast <laughs> with you know what you do with Maya Schechter. Can you talk a little bit about how that came about, how the idea blossomed, and you know what it's turned into now in its second season? Sure, yeah. So we started Birdie Cast uh last year, about a year ago now. <laughs> Um, and Maya and I were playing a practice round over at Finley uh, to the University Golf Course in Chapel Hill. We are playing a practice round there, coming out of off-season, getting ready for tournaments. And we were just talking about our off-season, how it went. And um, apparently, we both kind of were thinking about starting a new project, kind of like either like finding a, a part-time job somewhere, like, like online freelance stuff, I don't know, the most random things you can think of. Just to kind of like create a side hustle somehow. <laughs> I mean, we're not playing tournament golf. Uh, the sun the sun goes down fairly early in the winter, so you got a lot of downtime that you gotta somehow fill up. So why not try to find something productive? Um, so we're like going back and forth, and like things we tried and didn't work out. So by hole, I don't know, hole number twelve, uh, one of us said. Um, well, we can always start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and then we just started to fantasize about what that would look like, what we would talk about, how we would do it, the name. And by whole, yeah, by the end of the round, we had it all down. And then a week later, we played in uh, Atlanta. And that's where we recorded our first episode. And it was out. So, yeah, and we just kind of went ahead and started. <laughs> We weren't really sure where it was going, but we felt like we had enough uh, topic conversations and uh, enough like interesting people around that we could talk with uh, to create a podcast show. Yeah, so yeah, we actually just recorded our uh, second episode of season two that should come out tomorrow. We're actually covering the new rules, um, so it's more an informative episode. Um, yeah, but it's, it's it's really fun and. Um, a lot, of, a lot of girls on Symmetra Tour are really engaged with it. They listen to it, and they think it's interesting, and they, like, try to make it better. Um, yeah, I, I I would like to think that it's kind of, like, part, part of the Symmetra Tour culture, more of, like, from the player side. So it's not just Maya's and I. It's not, like, our podcast, as in, like, Maya and me, but more, like, all the girls who play on Symmetra Tour. Um, yeah, so it's 
it's more like the player's podcast. Yeah, well, I think it's awesome because you have, usually, you have a different member or members of the tour on each week to kind of, you know, give their um, understanding or impression or their views on whatever it is that you're talking about. And you have such a built-in base to go to there with the Symmetra Tour. Um, You know, and the thing is, most podcasts that are related to golf are all focused on either the PGA or the LPGA Tour. So I think it's awesome to hear from you know, kind of the, the just the one level below that and how it differs, but how it's very much the same. Yeah. It's, we kind of want to share the story of, like, how people get there um, and not this, not only, like, the nice spots at the top, right, when you've made it. Scout, like, uh, a, a room somewhere or... You know, do you do it like in a hotel room with, with the girls? How how do you set that up where you're actually recording the podcast? Yeah, so it varies from finding a spot in a clubhouse somewhere, meaning the head pro's office or the receptionist's office or some closet. <laughs> uh, anywhere that it's relatively quiet. Uh, so it's either that or uh, where one of us stays for like either Maya or me uh, there like either like our host housing or a hotel room or where, you know, our guest is at. Um, yeah. So it's either like where we're staying or either at the golf course typically. Yeah. And as you've gone along doing it, um, what have you noticed that you've gotten better at, like say from episode one up until now in, in the second season, do you ever listen back to those episodes and try to critique what you do in order to change it? Yeah, I listened to a few this off-season, especially, like, the first few ones, and we had, like, no idea what we're doing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But it's kind of funny to listen back to. We were, like, very nervous. Um, Yeah, so we just got more comfortable with the mic, and I think we both have gotten a lot better about interviewing people, like, asking really good questions and, like, listening better. yeah, and just realizing that we have different kinds of episodes. So it's just Maya and I, and then we kind of go back and forth and just have a, a conversation, basically. Uh, but then we have more informative episodes um, or, like, pure entertainment. Like, we did, a, we did a roast for the Ryder Cup. So we did a Europe-USA roast, uh, which was more like a game episode, pretty much. Um, so, yeah, it's cool to kind of categorize those things looking back. Um, and identifying that going forward and see how we can structure it better. Yeah. So where does Birdie Cast go from here? Do you have any future plans for it to, to grow at all? Um, if one of you makes the tour and the other doesn't, or if you both make the LPGA tour, will you continue it? Yeah, so I think our plan is to, well, we, we said this last year, if one of us, or well ideally it would be both of us making it right uh playing on lpg and we just continue it there with lpg players um and then hopefully we would find another girl on symmetra tour and keep doing that as well so we kind of have a dual show maybe like one week it would be on lpg and then the other week it would be on symmetra i think we still want to keep like the stories coming from symmetra as well uh because that's important like we want to we started there so like we want to give light to that um but yeah it, 
it would be it would be really cool to have stories coming from both tours. So this year I'm actually also going to play on the Ladies European Tour. So I'm going to try to do some episodes with players over there or like people around there that seem interesting and want to do episodes um, together and yeah, just get some more exposure to our listeners from different tours, um, but all like women's golf related and that um, yeah, we don't really have like set goals as in like how many listeners we want. I think it's important that we mainly record for ourselves, that we're happy with, you know, our episodes and our product, um, that we enjoy listening to ourselves. And if other people like listening to it, like that's awesome. Uh, and we definitely like cater to the listener. Um, yeah, but we don't, we don't really have like, oh, we want to get like 10,000 listeners in the next four months or something like that. Right, like, yeah, right. we're not really focused on it at all, at all. We're just trying to focus on, getting good content and like picking fun topics and yeah, just making good episodes. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's a great point. If, if you enjoy it and something you like doing and it entertains you and Maya, then it'll be a success no matter what. Yeah. And for us, it's just kind of like a, a little hobby, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a thing where we can think about when we're on the course during like, in between shots because we'll have our topic for next week. So we both kind of like think about it for the week and then we come back, sit together and we have a lot to talk about, which is really nice. Um, so it's a, it's a nice distraction. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, it's definitely like something on the side, like we're playing golf, like that's what we do. Um, but we also like talking about it. Right, and for everyone out there listening, you can, you know, I subscribe to it on iTunes. Um, I know you can get it on Stitcher as well. What other platforms can people find the Birdie Cast podcast? Our host platform is Anchor, uh, and if you go on anchor.fm slash birdiecast, you'll find all the platforms we're available on. But we're also, so iTunes, Stitcher, we're also available on Spotify. If you have Spotify, um, you can listen there as well. And I saw that you are now producing T-shirts, correct? We will, yeah. We're kind of <laughs> we're kind of slacking. <laughs> I think we have a design down, but we're not really sure on like how many to order and all that. So we're kind of, yeah, it, yeah, it, it's it's coming. But if you're interested, you can always just drop us a message, and we'll get you we'll get you fixed. And what um, what social media platforms can people follow you at or, or reach you at? Um, so probably Instagram is the most popular one. So you can find me at Leslie Klutz. And then if you also want to follow, follow BirdieCast, that would be awesome, at BirdieCast. Uh, me personally, I'm also on Twitter. Um, those are the main ones I use, yeah, in, Instagram and Twitter. Probably more Instagram, yeah. I like doing pictures. Understood, and definitely worth a follow. Uh, before I get you out of here, May 31st to June 2nd, I see that you're going to be, or at least the tour is going to be in Pennsylvania. Do you have any idea if you are playing in the Pottstown event, which is at the Ravensclaw Golf Course? Yeah, probably. I think it's the same week as the U.S. Open, I believe. Um, let me check real quick. Yeah, it is. So if I'm not qualified for the U.S. Open, I will most likely be in Pennsylvania. (laughs) I will just throw it out there. 
that I have some caddy experience on web.com. Okay. I'm just, uh, I know not to stand behind, you know. Um, <laughs> I know I know how not to get penalties, and, uh, you know, I can show up, shut up, and, and keep up pretty well. Okay, awesome. Well, that's the deal then. <laughs> All right, Leslie, I can't thank you enough for your time and your insight. Truly, truly appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. Love it. All right, people, so either get busy golfing or get busy dying. Take care. Every time. That doesn't make sense.